Welcome in to the Friday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez and Saints fans, we are one day closer to game day. I'm excited. You should be excited. Just another week to watch Saints football as the Saints will travel to Jacksonville this week to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars at noon. It's their first road game in two games, so uh, wishing the team luck as they go on the road. On today's show, uh, J.D. will interview ESPN's Michael DiRocco, who covers the Jags for ESPN. A great conversation with Michael and J.D., and I will sit down with our very own Derek James for a little Fantasy Football Friday. You don't want to miss this. But first things first, let's go ahead and get into our interview with ESPN's Michael DiRocco. Well, Michael, first of all, I have to ask you, do you have kids? I do. Okay. Now, so so the second question is, are they running around with mustaches in this Minshew mania around the house? <laughs> no, so they're actually in college at this point, but they both do have beards, full beards. So, um, yeah, no, no uh, – no Minshew mania uh, among my two at this point, but they might be the only people who have spent any longer than five minutes in Jacksonville that isn't all caught up in that guy. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we've got a backup quarterback situation here with Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't know you know, often that you see what has happened in Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. I mean, I don't know if he – if forget whether or not he was on people's radar. I don't know if a lot of people knew he existed before – Nick Foles was injured, and he comes in, and now he's playing, all, you know, like a like a Pro Bowler slash All Pro. Uh, what's it been like to watch him operate uh, with this team and with this offense? Well, it, it's been obviously a huge surprise, um, you know, because he he had not play, he had practiced very well in training camp, you know, and throughout the preseason. Doug Marone always talked about how good of a practice player he was. But it never translated on the field in the preseason. He had, he led 30 drives in the preseason, and they didn't score a single point. So, you know, when he came in after Foles, I think everybody in the stadium and everybody in in in, in the press box was like, "Well, this is going to get really, really bad." Uh, but then he, I think he went 22 of 25, and we're like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe they were playing prevent defense, and he just got lucky." And then he goes the following week, and he plays really well again. And then you're like, uh, okay, well, maybe this kid's got a little something. And he just keeps doing it every week. And the thing that stands out is that he's not uh, hes not panicking. He doesn't have happy feet. He's just poised, and the moment isn't too big for him. And you add all that in you know, with, with his look, with the mustache and the jorts and the aviators and the headband and then you go to a city like Jacksonville, which has been quarterback starved forever, um, and it just has bloomed into this massive, you know, I mean, they adore this kid. I, I covered the University of Florida during Tim Tebow's years, um, and I worked for the paper in Jacksonville at the time, which was Tebow's hometown, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I've seen this before, um, but I haven't seen it since then but this is exactly what it reminds me of is is the 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 attention and the drama and the love for tim tebow um way back in in you know in the mid uh you know 2000s you know from afar he looks like he has a really good sense of self it doesn't look like he takes himself too seriously uh looks like he's out there you know treating it like it's a game which you know it is overall but seems like he's just kind of a kid who's enjoying the moment are we getting a bad impression getting the wrong impression of that he just seems like he's really really uh got a grasp on it yeah i mean and, and he's also a guy that you know like you said is just kind of who that's who he is 
and he doesn't care. You can like it or you don't. Uh, hey, I like to wear jorts and I like to wear a headband and I got the weird mustache look and I like it and I don't care what anybody thinks. And, um, you know, I think that kind of, you know, resonates with a lot of people, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, the younger generation, I guess. Uh, and he's a guy that, that, like I said before, they're just so starved for any quarterback success here. Um, you know, so when he goes out and he plays well and, and they're, they're having a chance to win, a, you know, at the end of games like they did in Houston, Denver, and then last week in, in uh, Carolina, you know, and, and people's there, there's a belief around the facility, around the locker room, around the city that this kid can get it done. And then he's got that cool demeanor and he's got the, you know, the attitude of this is who I am, take it or leave it. And that's, you know, that's another factor why everybody just absolutely loves this kid. You know, you got to have another couple of guys on that offense that we're quite familiar with around here, DJ Chark and Leonard Fournette. And I know Fournette didn't have the second season that people thought he might, but he seems to be, I don't know if resurrected is the word, but he seems to be a much more productive runner this season. And then Chark looks like he's jumping off the charts. Uh, what have you seen from those two guys? Well, the thing that stands out most about Fournette is just his growth uh, in his work ethic, his maturity, his leadership. You know, those were, you know, all the things that happened to him last year, well documented. He gets yelled at by Tom Kaufman at the end of the year for being disinterested on the bench. You know, he ends up with the, the hamstring. He ends up getting arrested in the offseason for not having, um, you know, his driver's life, driving with a suspended license. I mean, all that stuff comes together. You know, he gained 17 pounds during the season, which is not impossible for a sports writer to do, but usually <laughs> players don't gain 17 pounds during the season. Um, so, you know, there were so many doubts about whether he would be a guy that they could rely on, and he has been phenomenal. People inside the building have told me that he's done a 180, and they are ridiculously pleased with, with the way he's conducted himself. And that's translating a little bit more, obviously, on the field. I think he's the AFC's leading rusher. You know, he's at back-to-back 100-yard games at 200 yards, um, you know, against the Broncos. So he's really playing well. You know, he does he is he the perfect back? No, but he's really, you know, stepped his level of play up even higher than it was as a rookie. And Chark, boy, you know, I interviewed him in the preseason, and, and he really had a – really struggled. I don't want to say really had a bad year last year as a rookie, but I guess you could say that. I mean, he caught 14 passes. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing, which he admitted he didn't. He was fighting the ball, you know, and he said, look, I was just, I just didn't know what to expect. I was so uncomfortable with everything. I didn't know what it meant to be a pro. I didn't know how to study film. I didn't know how to practice. I didn't know, um, you know, how to conduct myself, you know, in meetings. And he said, even though the veterans were there to show me, you kind of have to go through it. And he said, the reason he excelled on special teams so much is because he knew exactly what to expect. You know, they told him last year, hey, you're going to learn all three receiver positions. We don't know when you're going to go in. If one of these guys needs a, a breather, you're going to run in there. So he'd go into the game not knowing he's going to play in the slot, in the outside, how many plays he'd get, if he got a play, that kind of thing. So he, he, he said this year he just feels so much more comfortable. Going through it once has allowed him to sort of just let it go and play football. Now he knows what to do. He feels so much, much more confident in what he can do. And you can see it on the field. I mean – he, he fought the ball trying to catch it last year. It was painful to watch at times. Um, and we were sitting there looking around going, oh, my gosh, they said they had a first-round grade on this guy? This is terrible. And he's just been fantastic this year. And 
the athleticism, the size, the speed, that was already there. And now you add in the confidence. His route running is better. He's just been fantastic for this team. And it should not, you know, one other thing to add to that, too, is he's playing with a much, much more accurate quarterback now in Minshew. And that really does help him a little bit, too. But he has been, he was the most impressive guy in training camp. And he's been the most impressive guy that they've had on offense all year. I'll tell you what, that is as good and thorough of an explanation of his struggles as a rookie as I have ever heard anybody uh, discuss the, the evolution <laughs> of a guy. Really, that was that was extremely uh, well put. I mean, I, cause, because on the outside, you have no idea what's going on with a player right. from another team. And then when you hear it that way, it makes total sense. Now, what doesn't make sense is what has happened to the Jags defensively. Um, we know yeah. the whole Jalen Ramsey thing, but but this defense a couple of years ago was one that you didn't want to see across from you, and, and now it's one that I, I would venture – well, I wouldn't venture to say, but I don't think anybody is, is terrified of them right now. No, I mean, they, they, they like to consider themselves an elite defense, but the, the bottom line is they're not. And, you know, it's for a variety of reasons. Their pass rush hasn't been as good as it has been before now. Clayus Campbell's 32, 33 years old, so he's starting to slow down just a tiny bit. And Unique Ngakwe is dealing with a hamstring injury. Josh Allen, the rookie from Kentucky, is, has been pretty solid, but you know he's had his moments where he's flashed and his moments where he's disappeared, which is to be expected. But the biggest issue with his defense is the linebackers at this point. No, lost Kelvin Smith. Kelvin Smith took the year off, so he's, you know, he was while he didn't play exceptionally well last year, he was probably their biggest playmaker in the linebacker core. And, you know, he, replacing him is rookie Quincy Williams, who last year this time was playing for Murray State. So he's going through a steep, steep learning curve. Uh, Miles Jack hasn't played particularly well this year. Uh, you know, they signed him to a, a contract extension, and, and he's just been okay. And then we saw what happened last week. To a man, everybody in that locker room, after he you know, giving up 285 yards rushing, two long touchdown runs, including an 84-yarder to Christian McCaffrey. They're like, look, our run fit stunk. You know, guys were getting out of their gaps. And, you know, they're, uh, you know, an eight-man front. I mean, that's what their their deal is. You you fill the gap, and you're responsible for that gap. Well, you know, that seems simple, and, and as a general rule, it is. But they got all turned around and discombobulated last week, and, and you see what happened. So, um, with Ramsey not on the field, obviously that's a significant downgrade at one corner. Uh, so that that you know leads you to believe that you know they're going to struggle this week against Michael Thomas, which you know everybody does when they're full strength. But now not being full strength, it could be even worse for the Jags. You know, and and the other thing is they don't force force turnovers. I was just looking this up in in 2017. When they went to the AFC title game, they forced 33 turnovers, which is second most in the NFL. Yes. They had seven defensive scores. Okay, last year, 17 turnovers, one defensive score. This year, they forced one defensive turnover all season in the first five games. So, if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback the way they did in 17, and you're not creating turnovers, you have a defense that, you know, unless things go their way, you know, they're going to struggle at times, and that's what we've seen. Now, they did a good job against Houston. In week two, because they held the, the Texans to 13 points, which is 40 fewer than they scored last week against Atlanta, you know, but then they gave up all those yards rushing last week to McCaffrey and, and the Panthers. So there's still a work in progress, but they've got a long, long way to go before they can even come close to being considered 
uh, a good defense. Yeah, to see him do it against the Texans was really impressive because we saw the Texans around here and the Texans late 28 on the Saints and almost won that season opener. And, and Deshaun Watson was, you know, off the charts good. He got sacked six times and hit 11 more times and beat him up really good. And he just kept stepping up uh, and being poised. So to see them hold that offense to those few points is, is extremely, extremely impressive. Um, what What's the mood in Jacksonville? Because, you know, even, even though the two and three, there's still time. Um, you know, nobody's running away with the division. Nobody's, you know, you know, terribly where you're looking at them saying, oh, my God, we're not going to be able to make up that ground. And we know in the NFL, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven, it doesn't matter. You still win your division and you still get to host a home playoff game. So is the mood still upbeat and, and positive somewhat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's basically the way the fans feel because they do see the division and go, look, nine and seven may win it, eight and eight may win it. Um, but the other thing is, too, is that, and I guess this is part of the Minshew factor, but there is a belief now that they, they, that if they get into a close game that comes down at the end, that they have a chance to win it. I mean, they already did it once on the road in Denver um, with the late field goal. Minshew drives them down and they get the late field goal. That, that feeling around here wasn't there. You know, even in 2017, to a degree, it really, the fans didn't have that feeling. Um, you know, they were playing from ahead a lot, and that defense was able to really get after the quarterback. But last year, it was just awful. There was a feeling that, like, if this team gives up seven points, they have no chance to win. And now there's a feeling, you know, look, we got a good quarterback here. We've got, you know, some offensive playmakers. Finally, we have a chance. We can be in games, and we have a chance at the end of the games. And, that, and fans are saying that now, and that's not something they said before. And when you have that quarterback, or at least you believe you have that quarterback that can do that, that makes a huge difference, and I think that's what you're seeing here now. Well, Michael, we really appreciate your perspective and your insight and, and insight on, on the Jaguars because, again, we're, we're on the other side. We don't really know them that well, but this is fantastic information and, and great to, to hear uh, that the LSU guys are doing well. Of course, we don't want to see them do well on Sunday, but <laughs> great to hear that they're doing extremely well in Jacksonville. What's the weather going to be like down there? We looked at it. It's going to be kind of warm, huh? Oh, it was Jacksonville. Yeah, what well, am I actually, about? not warm. It's actually going to be nice for us. I think it's going to be in the 80s. I mean, warm is, uh, the, the I think the season opener against Kansas City, the temperature on the field was like 112, 113. Oh, my so God. I'll take this. Uh, coming up this weekend, much, much more than, than what we had before. But, yeah, it's still a little too warm in Jacksonville for my taste. I'd prefer something in, like, the 60s at this point. But uh, no no rain in the forecast, so it should be just a beautiful day. Well, we will pack up our jorts, and we will make our way down to Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> and we will, <laughs> we'll see you guys for a nice Sunday kickoff. We appreciate it, Michael. Hey, don't forget your headbands, man. Exactly. Thanks for having me, though. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Let's go ahead and transition over to our Fantasy Football Friday segment with our very own Derek James. Derek, first things first, how'd you do in your leagues last week? I had a, had a good week last week. I went uh, I went up going 2-1. and one. Um, and I, I kind of, in that one loss, I, I got hurt by Patrick Mahomes. He had kind of a subpar day going against the Colts. Uh, I think he got hurt in that game, mm-hmm. um, and it, it kind of showed. And I also had running back Wayne Gallman in my, my lineup for the Giants, uh, the running back, and he ended up getting hurt in that first quarter. I got like one point out of him. I lost my game by seven points. So it 
and all, you know, those things happen. But yeah. it was a good week overall. Of course. Well, you called it last week. Uh, big plays from Teddy Bridgewater last week and Jared Cook. I mean, we talked about it in our fantasy football uh, Friday segment last week. You called it. I mean, that that's great. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, so absolutely. The um, the thing you have to pay attention to is the defensive rankings. And uh, like I said last week, Tampa Bay went into that game with the 31st ranked pass defense and we're giving up the second most points to, to fantasy tight ends. So uh, that, I'm, I'm glad Bridgewater and, and Cook made me look good there. So. Of course. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into some quarterbacks for this week. I think we want to focus on them uh, primarily this week. Who's your stardom and sit em going into this week? Absolutely. So the uh, one guy that I really like to start, um, I'm going to keep picking on a Tampa Bay defense. Uh, after playing New Orleans, their, their past defensive ranking has gone down to 32nd. Uh, they're still giving up, the uh, I believe, the fifth most quarterback points per week. And they're going against Kyle Allen with the Panthers this week. So he's a guy that if you are desperate for a starting quarterback this week, you might have a guy on a bye. Um, Kyle Allen is, is a guy to give a real close look, look to. And who are your uh, quarterbacks that you want to sit going into this week? Uh, a couple guys that I think that would be in most people's lineups that I don't like uh, for this week would be Carson Wentz. He's going against Minnesota on the road. They have the sixth-ranked uh, pass defense in the league, and they're giving up the eighth-fewest fantasy football points uh, to all quarterbacks this year. So uh, that's one guy that you might want to try to stay away from. Um, and another player that's really got a tough matchup is Jared Goff with the Rams going against the 49ers. Mm. They have the second-ranked pass defense in the NFL, and they're also giving up the second-fewest fantasy points to all quarterbacks. So that's two tough matchups. Um, and if you are brave uh, enough to bench one of them, I would go ahead and put in Kyle Allen in one of their slots because I think he's going to have a big game. I don't know if you want to mention Brave in here. I heard Braves, and I saw our uh, producer, Daniel Salas, <laughs> cringe a little bit because his Braves lost. Uh, moving on, Derek, uh, your sleeper is going into this week in fantasy football. <laughs> uh, I have a, a few. So I think the New York Jets, uh, they're getting Sam Darnold back this week. So I think their players are going to start to get a boost. Mm. Uh, one guy that I mentioned, I think, last week was Jamison Crowder. He had a big game in week one. They said going into the season that they were going to be featuring him a lot, and they did just that in week one. Darnold goes down. His numbers drop, but now Darnold goes back into the lineup. They're going to probably be paying, playing for behind a lot this year, potentially against Dallas this week. So he, he could be getting a lot of receptions. Same goes for Robbie Anderson, their other receiver. Uh, so if that's two, that's two guys that if you're looking for a flex position player, those two, that's two guys that you could, you could potentially get. They're only 52% owned um, in the Yahoo leagues this year. So go out and get them. And one other guy that I, I want to mention is Adrian Peterson. Uh, Adrian Peterson in Yahoo Leagues right now is only owned in 57% of those leagues. And they have a new coaching staff com coming in. Bill Callahan has stated that he wants to get running back volume going. He, and that is in, what that in turn is going to mean is that Adrian Peterson could be a feature back moving forward. He might not have the ability that he used to have, but he's going to have a lot of volume. And that, that's really what you want to find in your running back two or flex position. All right, Derek, before we let you go, anything else you wanted to add going into this week? Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say that uh, from a Saints perspective this week that I really like Jared Cook again. So Jacksonville has two very good cornerbacks in A.J. Bouye. Um, Jalen Ramsey, it sounds like he's going to play coming, uh, listening to the reports this week. So it might be a little bit tough on the outside for Bridgewater to, to throw. Jared Cook might be a guy that has be the benefactor of that. All right, my seat geek question for you, Derek. Did you have Kish Christian McCaffrey in any of your leagues last week? Yeah, I, I do have Christian McCaffrey in my auction league, and uh, 
He is uh, absolutely killing it. He might be the fantasy football MVP this year. Uh, him and Michael Thomas are, are two have been two two studs. But yeah, McCaffrey is he is as good as advertised, if not better. Yeah, I had him on my roster too, so I was definitely happy about that. All right, that was our Seat Geek question uh, from Derek James. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. But with Seat Geek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence best of all our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app use code GOSAINTS at checkout that's code GOSAINTS all caps no spaces at checkout SeatGeek let's go all right you heard it straight from the source Derek James for another edition of Fantasy Football Friday Derek I appreciate you all right thanks as always Caroline of course All right, that'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Thanks to John DeShazer and Michael for their uh, insight on today's show, as well as Derek for Fantasy Football Friday. Don't forget this Sunday, the Saints go on the road to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars at TIAA Bank field uh the game will kick off at noon you can watch on cbs that's wwl here if you're local you can also listen locally on wwl 870 am with zach streif and deuce McAllister. for caroline gonzalez and everyone else who joined us on today's show we really appreciate you listening tune in next week for more